Blog Talk Radio. Anyone charged with a criminal matter has the right to have their case heard before. A judge or judicial officer of the court is entitled to a fair and public hearing by a competent, independent and impartial court. Have strict court rules enforced such as the right of reply, rules of evidence, and be found innocent or guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Yet, our most vulnerable can have their rights, assets, and decision-making rights removed by a public servant of the state, not a judge, in a tribunal setting that can ignore evidence and facts and determine matters as they see fit and conclude matters based on probabilities alone. Are you scared yet? Good evening, everyone, and we are so excited to be on tonight. Thank you so much for Elaine and Diane to reschedule with us to come on. We had a few issues on Friday, but we are back. Um, First, I want to introduce my co-host tonight, Elaine Nickman. Her and I are both victims out of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania Courthouse, and that's how we know each other. Elaine is also a published author. She wrote Court Gate, Divided from the Law Without Liberty and Justice for All. And we are so excited, Elaine, to have you on. Elaine, I just want to tell you so much how much I appreciate you. When Marty was alive and we were doing this, whenever something came up and I couldn't be on the show, Elaine, 100%, you always stepped in and covered for me. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate your support in keeping the show going and in honoring Marty's um, memory. Thank you so much. And with that, I am going to introduce our most exciting guest. We have Diane Diamond. She is an investigative journalist, author, syndicated columnist, and a TV commentator. She is on shows like Hard Copy, Extra, NBC, Entertainment Tonight, Court TV, and Investigative Discovery. I grew up watching you, Diane. Diane has covered some of the biggest crimes in the world. The O.J. Simpson, Heidi Spice, Michael Jackson, Pamela Smart, Casey Anthony, Jerry Sandusky, and John May Ramsey, for just to name a few. And she has recently written the most incredible book. It's called We're Here to Help When Guardianship Goes Wrong. Welcome, Diane. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Oh, you you make me, uh, you date me while you say that you watched me while you were growing up. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I sure did. <laughs> um, you are thank you for I, having me I on. Say? I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, and thank you, Elaine. Elaine, can you, are you on yes. here? Can we hear you, Elaine? Hi, sure. Hi. Hello, audience. Hi, Kaz. I'm glad to be on the show. Hello, Diane. Welcome. She's quite an esteemed uh, journalist, so I'm thrilled she's on the show. Kaz, can I, can I just mention one little piece, an update, before um, we begin with Di- Diane? In Pennsylvania, there's Absolutely. a bill that was passed, a bill called SB 506. It's regarding guardianship. And, again, this is in Pennsylvania. It was just passed December 13th. It's supposed to provide for independent evaluations, less restrictive alternatives to guardianship, um, and allow uh, people to have directives for 
if there is a guardianship. They're supposed to allow for change of guardianship if there's a problem with the guardian or to even dismiss it. Now, as Marty used to say, the devil's in the detail. So we will see in the future if this law turns out to be any, you know, worthwhile or it's the same old, same old. But go ahead, move on. Go ahead yes. and move on. Well, and real quick tidbit while we're talking about um, Pennsylvania, um, I do need to mention, Elaine, you were the one person from Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, that made it into Diane's amazing book. And so I am so excited <laughs> to have you here. We do. Oh, no, actually, no, 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 because there's, no, there's actually another person in her book, too, but the person's name, she disguised the person's name. And I gave her that name of that person, but yes. <laughs> it's, there's two of us at least in there. Yes. Go ahead. Oh, my goodness. That's so exciting. And for anyone, while we're talking about Pennsylvania and why all of our enemies are listening, and probably there is an open investigation. If you were a victim in uh, Montgomery County or Chester County, you can reach out to Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook page to get the name of the investigator with the Department of Justice that is looking at this case. There was recently a guardian found guilty, and we are hoping that she took a plea deal and she's singing. Uh, these investigators reached out to us, and so that is very encouraging. But enough about Pennsylvania and all the holes in Pennsylvania. We are so excited. We are going to ask Diane a bunch of questions because everyone wants to hear from Diane. So I'm going to kick it off, and um, Elaine and I are going to have a lot of fun. All right, Diane, the first question that I would love to ask you is, mm -hmm. you have dedicated much of your career to reporting on crime and justice issues. Why is that? Oh, I think the simple answer is because I don't like injustice. I don't like people who prey on other people, and I really, really dislike bullies. So it all, all sort of came together with the guardianship, adult guardianship uh, subject, because that at its basis level, that's what it is. It's bullies taking care, uh, you know, quote unquote, protecting people when we know what they're really doing is just preying on people. And so it ticked all the boxes for me. You know, as you say, I've done a lot of criminal trials. Uh, I first broke the Michael Jackson uh, child molestation case, covered O.J. Simpson, uh, Jerry Sandusky. Yeah, I could go on and on. So I was doing individual cases for most of my career, John Benet, Ramsey, whatever. But when I hit the guardianship topic, I realized this isn't just one case. It's nationwide. And so that's what kept me going for eight years. For eight years, I've been gathering um, stories and trying to confirm what everyone was telling me. And that the result is my book. Okay. Hey, Diane, this is Elaine. So um, you wrote this book about abusive guardianships and conservative conservatorships. Um, what mm -hmm. attracted you to this topic? It's almost a little bit what you stated in your first in the first question, but anything particular mm -hmm. that attracted you to this topic? I, you, you know what? It, what attracted me was uh, I don't know four or five fold really. Number one, the secrecy of it all, because our justice system is supposed to be transparent. You know, we're taxpayers. We pay for that system. And there was a system I 
I couldn't get into the courtrooms. I couldn't get case files. I couldn't ask questions to lawyers and get them to answer me. So that that really attracted me. Um, the fact that there were so many different kinds of victims uh, was stunning to me. It, it's not just elderly people. You know, one your story, Elaine, was so interesting to me because if people haven't read the book or don't realize, there are divorce attorneys out there who are convincing their male clients that if the wife is uncooperative, well, let's just guardianize her because then she has no civil rights to hire her own lawyer to fight. And that was your case. But, Elaine, you were so lucky you didn't get guardianized, even though they tried not once but twice, right? Uh, they did. However, um, I think when they did try to do this guardianship, it was actually Plan B. So it was. So they uh, already were able to um, meet their objective uh, with asset stripping me uh, with another plan. plan right. Guardianship was Plan B. Oh, if we can, and the and the actual documents I gave you, it was like seeking some sort of injunctive relief. And in the alternative, can we have a guardianship, please? So that's how crazy that is. And, you know, yeah. and I gave you a number of other women saying thing, only those women, unfortunately, were guardians, asset stripped, and then the guardians removed after all their assets are stolen, leaving these women homeless and broke. It's, it's horrible. And, and then what mm -hmm. happens? They go on the public dole and we pay for them. You know, yeah. they get on welfare because all of their money has been spent by their guardians. But but back to your, your original question. So it was a secrecy. It was a number of victims. And I was astounded to learn how young some of the victims were. Uh, there, I tell the story of Michael Liguori in the book. He was 18 years old. He was supposed to become the guardian of his own money that he got in a medical malpractice lawsuit. Uh, there was a birth accident with him. He developed a slight cerebral palsy. And the guardian just looked at the judge and said, well, look at him. You know, he's different. He walks funny. He talks different. You need to keep going with the guardianship. So it went on for years and years way past when it should have. So I could go on and on. It's all in the book. Uh, but I was... I was astounded at the reach that this so-called justice system allows predators to get a breach. You know, the, the number of victims, the amount of money. You know, listen, if we were a society that really cared about people who needed protecting, then there would not be so many people sleeping on the street in New York oh, City, where I live, I and L.A., and Detroit. <laughs> Yes, I used to say that. I used to say that when Marty was still with us. I would say, not that that's, that's not a reason for guardianship if you're homeless, but my, my feeling right. was, oh, if these guardians want to help people so much, go out and help these folks that are in Tent City and homeless. Again, that's not a reason for a guardianship, but if you want right. to help someone, help those people asking. Can I ask you, Diane, um, so... If you had to blame one person or an institution for the growing number of exploitive guardianships, who or what would that be? Oh, uh, uh, no hesitation. The judges. <laughs> the judges. They're the, they're the ones that start the guardianships. They're the ones who keep them going. They're the ones who refuse to end them. They're the ones who, that refuse to say, okay, 
maybe this family is squabbling a little bit and whatever, but that's what families do. They they squabble. So I'm going to pick somebody in the family, and they can be the guardian because they obviously care about this person. So judges, without a doubt. And I think, you know what I wish? You know what I wish, ladies? I wish that a judge who begins an unnecessary, unwanted, exploitive guardianship would have to go into guardianship for two months. Go be under, Mm. you go live under this system and see if you like watching your house being sold, getting put into a nursing home and you know you don't need it, being forced to be over-medicated. I think these judges... They're, you know, they say they're overworked and they're understaffed. Well, really? I'm sorry. Then go to your state legislatures and demand more money. Don't, don't take it out on these people by just rubber stamping guardianship. Sure. It's, it's uh, like do yeah. one to others as you would have done to yourself. Right. <laughs> but they probably exactly. have a, double, you know, a different standard for themselves. Um, so, so, Diane, um, many of these guardianships are granted on dishonest information put in petitions for guardianship and they're written by lawyers who literally, they literally lie in court. What can be done about that? Oh boy, that's a $64,000 question. <laughs> what can be done? The, the, the legal system can start truly and meaningfully policing itself. And when a, a, a lawyer is caught lying on a petition of guardianship or an emergency petition especially they should be disciplined they should be sanctioned they should lose their license for a period of time but i'll tell you you ask the aba about that the american bar association or state bar associations hey what are you going to do about this that you know he said that daughter stole a million dollars from her mother and that's not true what are you going to do about it cricket i get nothing when i ask these questions so it's that kind of predators protecting yeah, them. Yeah, they are predators. Mm-hmm. I was just um, going to say, I have a question. Oh, oh, I was. Can I, Cos? Can oh. I just follow up real quick with something with that or a yes, comment? Absolutely. I just wanted to say, in that Pennsylvania bill that came out, they're supposed to require sufficient facts, and there's also supposed to be, they're supposed to provide for a burden of proof and rights. Again, mm-hmm. we don't know if that'll happen, but it's supposed to address when these guardianships petitions are just written up based on hearsay by a third party without allowing the family and the person who's being guardian to respond. But go ahead, right. Cos, take it away. Go ahead. All right. Okay. We have we have quite a few um, questions that have been submitted by listeners, and Elaine and I are divvying them up and asking. So the next question that we have Many guardianships begin due to family fights. What advice do you have for fighting families, and what should they do before mm-hmm. turning to a lawyer? Uh, you know, I'm a pretty blunt person, so the answer to that is stop fighting, period. <laughs> stop fighting, because the person you're fighting over, your, say your widowed elderly mother, for example, that's the person who's going to get hurt. You, 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 yeah. You're fighting to protect her. If you if you as a family unit keep fighting and squabbling and one person goes to a lawyer and starts the guardianship process, you are probably out of luck because that's the, the pathway to hell as far as I'm concerned. But to, to answer your yeah. question seriously, 
Go to family counseling. Go to a mediator. Uh, first of all, it's going to cost you a lot less money. You know, go mm-hmm. and sit and uh, around a table and uh, squabble amongst yourself while a mediator listens, and the mediator can help you focus on points of agreement instead of disagreement. Now, look, it may not help, but I think it's a better first start than going to an attorney who's going to charge you, you know, $400 an hour. Oh, absolutely. And that's and can I, I, guess I just, that's can I just say... Can, can yeah. I just say one quick thing about the state laws that uh, Elaine is talking about? Pennsylvania passed that, um, oh, I got it here. Yeah, SB 506. It, great. It sounds great on paper, doesn't it? But really, when you study laws like this, and I've seen it in states after states after states, coast to coast, these laws say things like the judge may consider a less restrictive uh, uh, solution to the problem. The judge should allow uh, witnesses to be heard from both sides. The, the, the judge may do this, should do that, blah, blah. But that, that's at a whim. That's at the judge's whim. Yet most of them, I'm going to tell you, after these state laws are passed, just keep doing what they were doing because the law doesn't mandate it. It doesn't force them to think about, say, supported decision-making or some less restrictive system so they don't bother. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, so Diane when you see these state bills, you think they're, oh, boy, that's great. It's a, it's a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. It's a Band-Aid on a big, open, bleeding wound in my mind. Yeah. Uh-oh. Marty, always, Marty, Marty always said this. She used to say, oh, they, they write up these uh laws and and they they're ineffective and one of the things that um happened a number of years ago was where they switched the language from shall to the word may basically mm-hmm. giving a judge discretion it's all so if it can be all arbitrary it's at the judge's discretion because it says they may do it rather than they shall do it so mm-hmm. you know i hear you yeah so we'll see we'll see what's going to happen in pennsylvania um, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I don't really expect a whole lot of change. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not well, very hopeful for Pennsylvania. It's one no. of the worst states, in my opinion. It, it is. I agree. Just in Montgomery County, um, shenanigans in Montgomery County Facebook page has about 200 uh, victim uh, documents, which is, um, oh. that's a lot. But anyway, I have a follow-up question. What advice do you mm-hmm. have for family members who expect who suspect their loved one is in an abusive guardianship? Oh, boy. Well, be their eyes and ears if you can. You know, everybody listening here probably knows that if you start questioning a a guardian because you think your loved one is in an abusive situation, they can ban you from visiting, sometimes permanently ban you. So, you know, try to be the eyes and ears for your loved one and write everything down. Keep a journal. If you can, get your cell phone in there and tape record or, you know, use your camera. It's not tape recording, is it? It's what, video recording. Video record your loved one having a conversation saying, my guardian won't let me do this. My guardian makes me take too many pills. My guardian won't let me go outside in my backyard. You know, whatever it happens to be, capture evidence. That's the strongest thing you could do. And I, I don't mean any disrespect with this, but I, I've 
see so many family members, they get so mad and so frustrated about what's happening to their loved one, they just start screaming. Instead of being calm, logical, and presenting evidence. So if you can, take somebody else with you to the visit of of your loved one who's under guardianship. So now there's two people who can attest. It's not just a complaining family member. It's the longtime next-door neighbor or a, a friend from church, something like that. Yeah. Um, Elaine, do you have any more questions on your list? Sure. Otherwise, I have a few yeah. more. Okay, um, take well, it away, Elaine. <laughs> why? Uh, so the question would be like, well, uh, why is there not been uh, a cry out from the public about this multi-billion-dollar racket? Uh, other than we saw about Britney Spears, of course, that we saw. Sure. But in general, how about all the rest of us ordinary, you know, the rest of the ordinary folks in our country? You don't see it on the news, you know, yeah. never. Mm-hmm. So, such a good question because, n- number one, the reason the public doesn't know about it is because it's so secret. You know, there, there were cases I ran into uh, researching for the book that not only was the courtroom door closed and all the case files sealed, but there were gag orders in effect. And so whoever took part in a proceeding could not come out and talk about what just happened inside that courtroom because they could be fined or jailed. There there was a, a gal in Santa Fe, New Mexico, for example, who was in a guardianship hearing, her longtime common-law husband, and she came out and told her best friend what was going on, and the best friend wrote a little blurb something on Facebook, and the woman was fined $25,000, sanctioned, oh. sanctioned $25,000 from what she would uh, inherit. Uh, So, you know, people are scared to death, but why doesn't the public know? Because, and again, I don't mean any disrespect for my my colleagues in the media, but, you know, when you see a story on television, it's like, you know, what, two minutes long, four minutes long, maybe. Uh, I was in local television news for a long time, and usually they don't give you very much time to tell a story, and guardianship is complicated. It's a very dense topic, and and so two minutes or four minutes, it's not enough to fully explain it, and I'm afraid some viewers come away going, what? What was that about? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's got to be a rare case, right? I've never heard that before, and then they forget about it. So they forget about it until someone comes and knocks on their door with a piece of paper saying, hey, I'm in charge of your life now. Yeah, it's hard to believe that someone can step into your shoes and they they basically own your life. They own you like property. They Mm -hmm. seize and confiscate your assets. And I don't think the average person realizes what this means. They're taking away your rights. They're erasing you out. And you're just like something locked up, you know, breathing and... And somebody else controls your life. And and, and and think of it think of it this way. They take away your civil rights. You have a constitutional yeah. right under the Constitution of the United States of America to certain things. And some judge sitting in a low level equity court, and it's not like a criminal court or a civil court, you know, where where you get due process. 
there, there's no due process mm-hmm. guaranteed in an equity court. I don't think the general public has ever heard. What's an equity court? No, I bet you nobody could tell you what an equity court is. But what it is I, is a court mm-hmm. where the judge just gets to do whatever they damn well please, frankly. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I, and yeah. the fact that they use that word, I think the average person, the average person would think, if you ask them what's an equity court, they would think, oh, it's it's a fair court. No, yeah. it means the judge the judge takes full control and does what they want with whatever they're dealing with, whatever assets they're dealing with. And it happens in the family court as well. It's the same thing in mm-hmm. family court. Yep. Mm-hmm. And isn't yeah. it amazing that the people in unwanted guardianships, ex- exploitive, abusive guardianships, all seem to have money. You know, they, they don't go after, like we say, somebody living on the street or, you know, old widow Jones who lives on $300 a month from Social Security. They don't go after her. She may really need some help and some protection, but they're not interested in somebody like her. They're interested in somebody who's got a guaranteed monthly income or a lot of assets in the bank or investments. This is correct. This Absolutely. is correct. And yeah. and Roz mentioned how many guardianships there were in Pennsylvania. I thought she said at one point on a different program, she said uh, they had more in our county than anywhere. Montgomery County happens to be the wealthiest county in Pennsylvania. Some people say mm-hmm. it's tied with Chester County, but there's yeah. tremendous assets here. And these are the you know, motivating factors for all these predatory guardianships. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. really, it's really, it's terrible. Um, and, you know, by the time these guardianships, they are being weaponized against unsuspecting and vulnerable people. So the fact that every single person who's wealthy doesn't have a guardian, well, they're really preying on people who, who are very vulnerable they're unsuspecting, they don't see this coming, and by the time the person finds out or their family finds out what's going on, it's like it's a too little, too late. It's too late. Yeah, you you just can't, Mm -hmm. then you're like trapped, you're cemented in, you can't get out. Yeah, I I have heard that about Pennsylvania having more cases, that that county having more cases than any other, but you know what? The statistics on guardianship, adult guardianship, are so unattainable that it, it's journalists like me who spend eight years digging into this topic. We have to guess. You know, nobody keeps yeah. track of how many people are in adult guardianship. And we keep track of how many vehicles are stolen every year. We keep track of missing mm-hmm. children. We don't keep track of people who've been stripped of their civil rights. Uh, and so no. how many how many cases are there in Pennsylvania? I don't I don't know for sure because they don't report to some you know main entity in Washington DC. Washington isn't interested in in doing this. You know, I keep no. hearing, oh, I'm on my soapbox here tonight ladies, but <laughs> I keep hearing that Washington can't do anything about this because it's a state's rights issue. Well, I call BS mm-hmm. on that because they go into states, the Department of Justice goes, a civil rights division goes into police departments across this country and on a civil rights allegation. And they go in and they sit and they monitor and they write up regulations and rules that now this, this department has to follow. 
so that there is no more civil rights violation. But why can't they do that with the guardianship system? Uh, and they, by they the way, there's a they lot of don't. people. Yes, there's a lot of people complaining. Cause and I know of a particular individual mm-hmm. who is uh, relentless in complaining. They complain to the DA, to the uh, FBI. And, you know, saying that there's all kinds of criminal activity occurring within the partic- this particular guardianship, and that person's not alone. It's many people who do this, and right. they get their back turned on, and they're treated as if it's a domestic issue, um, when, in fact, just as you said, in other areas, they come along and say, hey, you can't uh, conduct this civil rights, you can't operate under civil rights uh, violations, yet they continue right. to do it within this within guardianship, and I've heard the same complaint within the stuff with family court and all those other associated things. It seems they all, by the way, stem out of personal family assets. You don't hear about this stuff in some corporate lawsuit. It's all about, and I I keep saying, it's a matter of where the system's grabbing your cash. Are they getting you at the family court level or when you get older at the guardianship level, or are they just you know, grabbing everything at probate once a person passed away. They're just or are, are they just yeah. allowing lawyers to run amok and grab dollars wherever and whenever they can? Yeah. Absolutely. They yeah. are. And here's here's another topic on guardianship that I'd love to oh um, that I'd love I'd love to mention. Okay. Wards retain the right to vote in most states. Do you believe voter fraud is being perpetrated by the guardians? Marty used to say it's called bundling the votes. Are you aware I, the voters retain those rights or the wards retain the rights? I do. I do know uh, that in many states, your right to vote is just taken away as part of them taking away your civil rights, and you you cannot vote. Um, the state of Kentucky, for example, I just learned recently on their. Um, uh, guardianship form when the judge signs it and okay now the guardianship is in, a, in effect there is a box to check where the judge can say yes or no this person still gets to vote well that seems odd to me because if a yeah. person is incapacitated in the eyes of the law then should they be allowed to vote uh, maybe not you know, ladies, I think, too, we, we need to say that not all guardianships are bad. Some of them mm-hmm. turn out just fine. Uh, you know, a person needs help and a family member is appointed, somebody who's trustworthy and loving. And, you know, so some of these guardianships turn out just fine. Um, and, and there was a case in California that's in the book, um, a former colleague of mine, although we didn't work there at the same time from National Public Radio, he was under guardianship, his right to conservatorship out there, his right to vote was taken away, and he and his fiance fought and fought and fought for years, and finally he did win the right to vote again. But I don't know the answer to your question again because of all the secrecy. Are guardians taking wards who are allowed to vote and voting for them instead of letting the ward vote? It, it, that wouldn't yeah. surprise me. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay, here's another question. This is going to be, this is, might not be guardianship. This is just because we want to know who you are. What is the most, because you've done so many investigations on so many topics, what is the most Mm -hmm. disturbing 
story you ever covered and how do you turn the horror on and off on it because you've seen so much of it within your life how do you how do you shut it off oh boy <laughs> you should ask my husband that one <laughs> um <laughs> I think I I never do shut it off. um, I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing. Like right before you called, I'm trying to decorate my house for Christmas. Um, (laughs) I I have time set aside for my husband and my pets and my garden and my whatever. But it's always in the back of my mind, the story that I'm covering at the time. Um, What was the most disturbing? Oh, gosh. Well, again, I, I broke the Michael Jackson child molestation case in 1993 and the young boy I got the police reports I got the child welfare report I knew exactly what he was alleging I worked that case for a long long time 1993 in 2003 there was another young boy who came forward and I was so disturbed to think that during that time because there was no trial prosecutor never took him to 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 trial back in 93 because the young boy got paid off so he refused to testify Mm. you couldn't make him testify and I was so disturbed to think as a mother and a grandmother how many other children had been victimized in between or if there had been any Um, the other story that really struck me was the JonBenet Ramsey story you know the young girl who was found dead in her own home wrapped in a blanket right around Christmas time in Boulder, Colorado. And that's never been solved. So it's those unsolved cases that really stick with me, you know? Yeah. Do you ever think they will be solved? Like there'll be some new technology or somewhere down the road? Like we're seeing all this Ancestry.com. They're finding the murderers because some family (laughs) members putting their DNA in. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I I love that whole idea of the the new technologies around DNA, and there was some DNA, uh, a new technology used on DNA on Jean Benet Ramsey's tights, little that she was wearing that night, and they ha- now have the DNA. Well, oh. will it match a criminal one day? Will they find someone? I think it's probably more likely someone will die and then someone who knew the real killer will come forward and say okay now i'm not, i'm not afraid of that that killer anymore because he's dead so i'm going to tell you what i know so i, I don't know i just have that sort of gut feeling the uh, dna technology today is so great uh you know the whole um i don't know if you've read the book about um the golden state killer and how barbara ray ventner and her crew actually found him through the DNA, through familiar DNA. Oh, wow. yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's kind of like the people confessing at the last minute. It's like who was Deep Throat and the Watergate scandal. We all found out finally. Yeah. You know? Yes. And that, when he I was think on will deathbed. Probably find out uh, some someday. But, of course, it's too late for her mother. Her mother passed away of uh, ovarian cancer. And anyway, yeah, you know, there's some cases you just remember, remember forever, and there's nothing you can do about it in the world. And I see it in the guardianship cases every day. I I don't know how someone can 
look at an elderly person and isolate them and over-medicate them and take their money and charge them exorbitant fees. I, I just don't know how judges allow it or how guardians have a conscience to do it. They don't yeah. have a conscience. And some, remember, no. remember Marty used to say that they're, they're subhuman, they're not real people. No, but, yeah. you know, these people don't have any conscience to them. And no whatsoever. Yeah. Hey, Cos, can I also just so, so say, fun. you know, remember there were some listeners that sent lengthy questions in. I just wanted to remark to, you know, the short and long answer to that is that once these guardians come in, they, they again, they stand in the shoes of the victim who's guardian. So whether, whether it's signing their house, selling the house without a deed, without having a deed or taking over their annuity or their bank accounts, once that guardian comes in, they are standing in the shoes of that victim of the person guardian. So they can sign on their behalf, and that's how it's kind of done. So, you know, some of the listeners have, like, long questions. How do they do this? How do they do that? Yeah. That's it. Well, yeah, and I, and can I just say yeah. that the, the yeah. quick, easy answer is when you are guardianized, Someone has written up a guardianship petition of guardianship for you, and a lawyer has taken it to the judge. The judge most usually just rubber stamps it, and the guardianship is in place. The ward of the court now loses their civil rights, and all of their assets, their money, their property, their investments, is immediately transferred into the name of the guardian. Now, the guardian may be one of your family members, and then that's terrific because they know what you want in your final years. That's great. Right. But when it's a professional guardian, now they don't give a damn. Some of them, some of them, let me say, they don't give a damn what happens to you now because their name's on all your property. They can do whatever they want. They've, they've got the judge's permission. They'll go to the judge and give them some cockamamie story, well, I got to sell the house because I need to sell the heirlooms because, and the judge says, okay. So that's how it all happens. It's thoughtlessness and deliberate, it's it's deliberate criminal activity. That's what it is. And that's what makes me so mad that the law enforcement will not do anything. They shrug their shoulders and say, well, it's it's a civil matter. Sorry. Judges ruled. And don't these yeah. uh, and what we cause and I have and what cause and I have like recognized and so forth is that a lot of times it's it's certain little teams that work together. A guardian works totally with certain leaders. Yeah, they all work and they are it's like you know there's these conflicts. They're all in with the judge. Uh, they all work as a, a, a united team together, and you know mm-hmm. they shut out everybody. Uh, from, you know, the person that's guardian and any of their family who tries to intervene, shut them out, and they all work together as a team and, um, you know, just, just you know, confiscate everything. Right, and nobody's, nobody's going to tattle on anybody else because then no. they're not going to get another case, you know. That you're right. right. They do, like, run in packs, so to speak. The same lawyer will recommend the same guardian or two They'll ask for the same court visitor and the same mental evaluator, and they're little teams that work. It's, it's, you know, frankly, it's it's like racketeering. It's a racket. It is racketeering. It is a racket, a criminal enterprise in some instances that I ran into. 
over and over again from Washington State and Oregon and California to Texas and Virginia and Oklahoma and the Carolinas and please I could go on and on Nevada yeah my home home state of New Mexico it's it's um, what frustrates me the most is the powers that be know Washington knows they've been having congressional hearings on this since the mid 80s they know what's going on States know what's going on, and they what do they do? They pass these Band-Aid bills with, you know, they may or they should or they whatever language that just mm-hmm. doesn't get any reform, real reform passed. Yeah. Well, we are um, starting to get callers wanting to call in, and I am seeing that not everyone is even able to get through. Luckily, this show will syndicate onto iTunes, Spotify, and everything else, but before we take callers, I prepared because it's Hollywood, and in the spirit of David Letterman, I made a top ten list of why everyone needs to buy this book. Are you ready? <laughs> That's great. Okay. 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 Rate me as a late night TV host. The number ten reason why you should buy this book. It shows publishers that this is a worthy topic because it will. The number nine reason is. Diane might write a follow-up if this first one is so popular. The number eight reason is maybe you'll be featured in a follow-up, and hopefully Diane can tell us later how her stories can be submitted. Okay, here's a fun one. Number a great gift. It would be a the judge and predators in your life, and make sure you enclose the gift card saying in case you were not aware. Number six. <laughs> More authors will write books on this topic. Number five, it will be so popular, Netflix will contact Diane, and she will have to do a full documentary on this topic. Number four, we all know each other in this book. It's kind of like a class reunion, so it's time to catch up on all your Facebook friends and read what they've been up to. Number three, Diane's newsmaking friends we'll start to see that this is such a popular book that they're going to start inviting her onto all their shows so that she can talk about the topic. Number two, it could inspire a hotshot government investigator to go what is called a fishing expedition and start investigating this. And, of course, my self-serving number one reason is we will sell so many books because Diane came on the show that she will come back in 2024. And my final thing is, you know, I bought the book. It's about, I think I paid $35. Come on, everyone. You can go to Olive Garden and you will spend $35 on your meal. Even if you are never going to read the book because you have lived it, you need to buy the book because we need to support this book. And this is going to help be our voice. Diane, you are like our patron angel of guardianship that you have the voice that can speak for all of us. And for that, we are so appreciative. And I really feel that everyone needs to just give back. Don't go to Olive Garden for one meal, and you can <laughs> afford to buy the book. And you know what? There might be some judges that you could send a gift to. Um, Elaine, would you like to add to the reasons why sure. we should be buying Diane's book? Sure. I don't think I, I think I consolidate it, especially with time. So my top reasons to get Diane's book are well, it brings attention to various 
uh, different tactics used in uh, the uh, misuse of uh, surreptitiously obtaining guardianship. So it, it, she talks about um, cases other than the seniors. It expands to other cases, and that impacts everyone, not just seniors. Um, so second, another reason is that um, she gives you tips uh, to plan in advance and basically taking protection measures. So everybody who, let's say, has a computer or something, they might prepare in advance to protect their computer from, like, cyber attacks or any other protective measures, like a burglar alarm that you have for your house or something. So she will give you some advanced planning, how to protect yourself or your loved ones. And, um, and then another reason is uh, Diane actually um, – she used in her book real life uh, victims and talked about it. These were unsuspecting or vulnerable people. So it's it's not like fantasy. It's not fiction. And uh, I believe the uh, folks who she wrote about they must have provided her with some different record proof because I certainly provided her actually you know actual documents. Um, oh yeah. So these are yeah. So these are some significant reasons. Go go get a book. Keep it like uh, a reference. It's a reference to go back at and look at. And, and if anyone you know, uh, this attack is perpetrated on you or someone you know, you can go, you know, reference that book. And certainly you can plan in advance. So go get the book. <laughs> you guys, I, I need to hire... <laughs> I need to hire you too as my agent. I swear that you are. You are. That's we, great. Yeah. You know, we are. I didn't know very affordable. <laughs> and you know what? The price is going down now. I noticed on like thriftbooks.com and and like that. So you know, I noticed um, on the Facebook page, your Facebook page, because somebody asked, and I wrote her name down, and I've forgotten where I put it now. Um, she asked. Why is it that the media is not covering my book or, or talking about my book? Oh, here it is, Vicky DeFestano. Vicky, yes. Yeah, Vicky asked, you know, why don't I see Diane on the news? Well, here's here's the short, blunt answer, because there's a war in Israel. That's yeah. why. Uh, and there's so many ah. shenanigans, as you say, on Capitol Hill. So I was in the news business. I used to cover Capitol Hill. Uh, I I used to cover the White House. I, I know how a newsroom works. And right now, everything is all about Israel. Everything is about Hamas. Everything is about, are they going to try to impeach uh, President Biden on the Hill? So I, mm-hmm. I will tell you that I have done a, a long interview with uh, CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Pauley. And it will air, I'm told, sometime in January, maybe early February. It was supposed to come in October. And, of course, the attack in Israel was October 7th. Oh. So, you know, it's the news of the day upsets a story that, I mean, I guess they're looking at this as a feature. It's an evergreen story. It's going to be a problem for years to come because nobody's trying to fix the problems in guardianship. So when when the CBS Sunday Morning Show airs, I will let you know, and we'll blast it out on Facebook, and everybody can watch. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? And, 
And, and you know what? Even if Dying. you can't watch, have it running so that the Nielsen ratings see that you're watching it. There you go. And you know, there you go. I remember the same thing happened back with COVID. When it first started COVID, it was 24 hours a day, all day, sure. on every news. All it was was COVID. And it took weeks or months for that, for that to, like, uh, settle down and to insert other stories. But this is true. Uh, everything was with the war for the first uh, few weeks or a month. All day long, it was only the war. And it ran like, you know, it was uh, over and over like a record. They repeated yeah, and, after and they it's still mm-hmm. It still is to this day, you know. I will tell you, too, everybody keep your fingers crossed. I have a, a very dear old pal who is now at The View. And everybody listening oh. knows it. it is women who are most affected by abusive guardianships, either elderly widows or their caretaking daughters of elderly people or uh, disabled yeah. people in the family. Who, who takes care of them? It's, it's not usually the sons, it's the daughters. And so I have yeah. beseeched my friend at The View. Uh, I sent him a free book. I got my publisher to actually send them a free book. And um, he's reading it now. And I'm hopeful that I've been on The View before, and I'm hopeful they'll have me back again to talk about this topic. Oh, my goodness. That would be so amazing. We will all tune in. And Well, if it happens, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. So we have about 10 minutes left. We have a few callers. Um, we ask yes. that you just ask a quick question. And at this point, not telling your whole story to Diane, at the very end, we'll have Diane tell us where her website is, where you can email her. But anyway, we have someone that's been waiting for a while. We have area code 618. Let's see who this is. Hey there, this is Dennis Ball. Eric, How are you doing tonight? Erica, six yes. Hey, Dennis. So nice to so nice to hear <laughs> from you. What is your question well, for you Dennis? Dennis, you're a well, too, aren't you? Yes, I am, and I, I want to appreciate everything you're doing, Diane, because it's absolutely necessary. As far as I'm concerned, this is war. This is a war. This is a culture war. And there are people who have designed this by design to profit people's expense. And I appreciate your attitude about the people because I know you're fighting for us, we the people, um, to change yep. the culture from the we, or excuse me, from the me to the we. Uh, and you're doing it in a very uh, methodic way. This is how I proceed too, just to let you know. And uh, my goal right now is to incrementally make my way into the mainstream of the media world. And your interest in my work, I appreciate very much. Many other people are starting to understand where I'm coming from. And as a, as I'm not a journalist, so I, let's say that, but I am an author. You are a journalist. Um, I respect that a lot. I respect uh, other people in your field, um, and I could name a few, but that's not necessary today. But I really appreciate everything you're doing. I appreciate your oh. book. And um, I have a couple of books coming as well on this subject of guardianship. Um, I, I think it's, it's unbelievable how this generation, I'm 72 years old, okay? So I'm a senior citizen myself, but for the evolution of this whole judicial problem, the way it has evolved, and the people who have exploited it, um, and our people in government who 
say that they're concerned, but we know that's not true because if they were really concerned, they'd be doing something really powerful about it. Exactly. So we, the people, are going to have mm-hmm. to do something very powerful about it. So that's that's my comment. And, and <laughs> oh, Dennis, I'm going to so look up your book. You thank bet. You and, so and, much, Dennis. And Dennis I'd love to be a guest too, by the way. And that's another and that's another show. Thank you so much, Dennis. It looks <laughs> like we have another caller here. Um, let's see. I'm hope I might be having technical difficulties getting callers on. Let's see. We got area code six one six. Mm-hmm. Area code six one six. You're live and on the air. Hello. Area code six one six. Hello. Hello. Area this code six one six. Yes. Yes. This is um, Brandy li- Ritzema. I am just. Hi, um, Brandy. Hi. I am just tapping in to let you know that we are under psychological warfare. I agree with Dennis. Um, life is not fair. I'm currently. I've just lost my mother. Spent 24 years fighting for her, and oh. currently. Um, navigating, um, fighting for another advocate. I just shared on my Facebook page, um, my hospital is um, forcing her into isolation and a male nurse ripped her phone out of her hands while she was using it, calling me. Um, And they won't allow me to see her or talk to her. And she's 84 years of age with bone cancer. What is she going to do? She can't move. Oh, my goodness. And where's her guardian, right? The guardian um, is supposed she to be hasn't, protecting. Um, this is a recent um, diagnosis. She was fine until a few months ago when she could no longer move and was living on her own. So this is all new. Um, and then when she was diagnosed, her and her daughter um, went and prepared a power of attorney, and they are being ignored. So now her daughter's not allowed to see her. I'm not even allowed to talk to her on the phone. This is another advocate who has been advocating for decades. She is not liked by the judge, and I don't know how to help her. So if everybody could pray and share, 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 it would be greatly appreciated. And what's Thank your you Facebook so page again? Um, I, it's under my, my page of Brandy Ritzema. I did share it on causes. I shared it on a lot of people. Um, I don't know exactly who I got, but I'm sure I've, I've tagged somebody we're all connected with. Good. Thank Good. you so I'll look much. It up. All right. So I'm not seeing all the callers. I want everyone to know the number is 917-388-4520, and you do have to hit the number one. And I had some of you on, and I lost you because there's so many people on the board right now. If you could please try and call back and hit number one. We do have Diane for just a few more a few more minutes. Um, while we're waiting to see if I can uh, see any more of these calls, um, real quick, we're going to thank our sponsors so that Diane can know who is the sponsor of these amazing shows. This podcast has been running for 14 years now. It was founded by the amazing Marty Oakley, and she passed away April 1st, and we are carrying the torch, and it takes a lot of us to carry her amazing torch. But these shows are sponsored by Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, We'll be live again in person, not on Zoom, this this uh, July. And so hopefully we'll have Marcel on here to talk about it. We're also sponsored by NASCA, the National Association to Stop Guardianship Abuse. And if you are in the United States, you can get a hold of them at stopguardianshipabuse.org. We are also sponsored by the Australian Association to Stop Guardianship and Administrative Abuse. And that is the international um, site. So we are hearing about guardianship around the world. 
and they are organizing in Australia, and that website is aasgaa.org. Australia is a huge partner in this podcast because we do have freedom of speech. We are broadcasting out of the United States of America, so they can call in and not be persecuted. On, and that was actually litigated with Marty Oakley. We're also sponsored by Snampton and Montgomery County Facebook page. And go there and look at all the videos that are going on. And, Diane, the last minute, would you quick tell everybody how do you um, submit a story? Because a lot of people have been asking how they can tell you their story. Well, I have a website. It's dianediamond.com. Don't be fooled by my last name. There's no A in diamond, D-I-M-O-N-D, Diane Diamond. Dot com And, you know, I have refashioned my website recently to feature this book. This is my fourth book um, because I really wanted to give people a place to go who are new to guardianship or in a, an abusive guardianship. And it's like, what's happening to me? Who are these people? What is a court visitor? Uh, I have questions about guardianship and nobody will answer me. Well, I have a a section of the website called Guardianship Central. You can find it on the top navigation bar there. And just click it. There's, a, there's a tons of information, other books you might want to read and articles. There's a FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions section. And I thought this was really important because there's so many people that suddenly swoop in when there's a guardianship. You know, who are they? What, what are their... Um, what are their duties? What are their responsibilities? What can you expect from them? So there's a, a glossary, a glossary of terms that you'll come up against if you are, you know, you or your family are faced with a guardianship. So anyway, um, you can write me through my website. There's a contact thing. I also write on Substack. If you look up on the left-hand corner, you could subscribe to my Substack and, um, you know, I had to give up my syndicated column when I immerse myself to write this last book. And so this is my, the new way I get to write a column through Substack. So uh, that's how you can reach me and tell me your story. And who knows, maybe there is a second book in all this. Because everyone's going to buy so many of the first books. That's why oh, it will just be such from, a huge bestseller. So from your we're about to, to close out. <laughs> Well, we're about to close out. We're going to be, I'm just going to run some Marty Classics for the rest of the year, and we'll be back next year. But we just want to wish everyone a very happy holidays. And to close out the show, we're going to go around and get one positive thing that you see could be going right in the guardianship industry so that we can all have hope because a lot of people don't have hope right now, and we want you to have hope. The fact that Someone like Diane has written this posing. Believe That means she believes this. For me, that's hopeful. And so I hope that everyone can see the hope in this book. Diane, I sure do. Um, Elaine, what's your hopeful thing that you see for 2024 in guardianship? Oh, gosh. Well, I, I guess I would hope. I would hope that maybe that at least that Pennsylvania law will amount to something, but um, you know, again, I, I don't know. I'm hopeful, and I don't know if I'm if I should. And I also just want to put out there, uh, everybody, go buy Diane's book and and uh-huh. just 
this weekend I've also had my book on free promotion at um, Amazon. So it's only a free ebook, but if they're interested in Courtgate, the court's divorce from the law. But again, um, this show is focused on the guardianship. Go get Cyan's book, and it's a great self-help. So well, you guys, you your, guys have to yeah. send me a copy of your top ten reasons. I think I should put that on Facebook. So pause. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I will. I'm so excited you loved it. All right, Diane, close us out with something positive to look forward to in the new year pertaining to guardianship. I wish I could tell you, adequately tell you, how many people in the news business have heard from me exactly what can happen under an, uh, an exploitive guardianship. I have talked to people in the financial press, people like Bloomberg and CNBC and Fox Business and all those type of people. I've talked to people in the psychiatric world. Uh, I have on my website a whole bunch of podcasts that I've been doing, uh, and I'll be glad to put this one up there too if you guys just send me a link. Um, I've talked Absolutely. to people in women's issues, uh, children's issues, disability advocates and I the, the word has spread within the news community about this I I'm, I'm a modest person but I'll tell you I have a pretty good reputation among my colleagues as soon as this war is over as soon as the terrible situation on Capitol Hill dies down I believe I can get more traction on this topic and I'm not going to stop speaking about it I, I have some speaking dates coming up early next year, and um, the word is spreading, and that's very optimistic. That's very hopeful for me. I hope and we're it is happy, for you all, too. We're happy to help you spread that word, Diane. <laughs> we're very Yay. happy to help you. Okay? We, there are. Thank you so much, Elaine and Diane. I just want to say, you know, we started the year. I'm going to try not to cry. We started out the year with Marty Oakley with us in this world, and we're ending it. The last show, we did not have Marty Oakley with us, but Diane and Elaine, you made this the most spectacular show of the year. It gives me so much encouragement to just keep going, and thank you, all the listeners. I'm so sorry we couldn't get all the callers through because I can't. It's it's. There's a lot of you on here, and I'm only seeing page one. Um, I just want to thank everyone for supporting me and to keep Marty's podcast going. And we're going to just carry Marty's torch and just keep exposing the corruption and crime so that we can someday live in a beautiful world where we can live as we're supposed to. So with that, good night, everyone. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. And happy Thank holidays. You. Happy, happy, holidays. happy New Year. Good night. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Chuck the Goat from Goat USA. I wanted to break into your podcast and tell you about the new Goat USA store at Garden State Plaza. Check us out next to Seasons 52 across from Fogo to Chow. Be the goat by wearing the goat and gift your loved ones with the greatest apparel of all time. Heavenly soft and incredibly durable, Goat USA sweatshirts and joggers are the most outstanding gifts this holiday season. So come see us at Garden State Plaza. And if you don't know, you soon will. Goat! Goat USA. Apparel for kids and adults. Chuck out. (laughs) Honey, where'd you go in your pajamas? Uh, sleepwalking. Again? How far? My watch says 
25 miles? 25? Did you know we can save up to 25% off grocery store prices at BJ's Wholesale Club? We can save a ton for our holiday party. You already did. Huh? There's deli platters, candy, and baking ingredients on the table. I bought that? Yeah, you've been sleep shopping. So it's true. Saving at BJ's is so easy, you can do it in your sleep. Save in club or on BJ's.com. Not a member? Join today. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings.